the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 The Answer presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information from the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. I'm getting closer to my house. Call now. 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. This is Jerry Feeney sitting in for Dottie Herman, who will be back hopefully next week. She is traveling again. I in Real Estate is the only show on talk radio. It is all about real estate, everything that has to do with real estate which, as Dottie likes to say, is just about everything. We welcome your questions and comments. So, as always, give us a call at 866-970-9622. That is toll-free. I don't know. Does anybody pay long distance anymore? Uh, I think Uh, that is a thing of the past, right? They're all toll-free, yeah. Yeah, so, but if you're worried about it, it's toll-free. We have a great panel of real estate experts and pundits, including (laughs) our mortgage and finance expert, Ace Watana Suparp. Ah, Good morning, Ace. Good morning, Jerry. Ace is Executive Vice President of Citizens Bank, which everyone knows is the largest bank in the world. Now, it's the third largest lender in New York City. It's just behind big giants like Chase. Uh, but Citizens has a warm, personal um, banking sense, and they deliver a broad range of financial services to over 5 million individuals. So if you've got questions about mortgages or financing or, or lending in general, Ace is the guy to talk to. So give us a call, 866-970-9622. And we're thankful to Citizens Bank for their support of this show. Um, we've also got our, and I can't really say this word, it's one of the few words I can't say, imitable, in, in, inimitable entrepreneur, yeah, educator, real estate pundit, uh, legendary uh, real estate broker, uh, Esther Muller on the show this week. Good morning, Esther. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning. Thank you very much. I, too, cannot even say it. intimidable. Does that mean I'm, I'm intimidating? Yeah. Or? I don't think there's an <laughs> What does it really mean, inimitable? Inimitable. means you can't be imitated. Oh, I can't be imitated. Oh, well, oh, frequently imitated, yeah. Little known fact about Esther. Esther actually sold Woodrow Wilson his first home. Uh, when he was, uh, I'm going to shoot you. Oh, I can't most say people, that on the radio. <laughs> most people don't know that about Esther. Yeah. Uh, she's been educating real estate. And you are the attorney fun. representing the deal. And that's uh, why you know that. Fun. Yes, and Esther and I will be doing two shows at Grossinger's uh, pre-dinner uh, this weekend at the Catskills. Uh, she's been educating. Dinner is free. <laughs> over, for over 20 years. Has it just been 20 years that you've been doing this? I don't even think I'm that age yet, so it's got to be less than that. But if you insist, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jerry. Just, I just uh, want to make a comment. He likes to he likes to make fun of the fact that I am uh, I'm a legend, and legend means old, and I'm really not. I'm full of young spirit. 
you are a legend. And really, in real estate, all you have to do is say Esther. You don't have to say her last name. Everybody knows. I tried to describe Esther to uh, my spouse before their first meeting, and I said, well, imagine her tornado that speaks and says a nice smile, and you've got Esther. Uh, but I love Esther. I only, Again, I only tease people that I like. And then legendary author and real estate writer, uh, real estate talk show host, uh, Hamptons insider, uh, gossip guru Stephen Gaines fills out the panel. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Jerry. Are you in a nipple, too? I, can you say that word, please? <laughs> in a nipple? <laughs> in a nipple. Not since I was nursing. But, uh, yeah, I'm in a nipple. I, you I can't know imitate me. Yeah, you can't imitate me yeah. at all. No, I can't. And did I describe you properly? Gossip yeah, guru, sure. I don't know about gossip yeah. guru, but that's okay. He's also a great cook, well, so I do it. have to add. I am a great good cook. cook. I, How did you? Oh, you what do you mean? I came for dinner. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You'll be invited, Jerry, oh. when you behave better. <laughs> I guess you guys had a little dinner party that Ace and I didn't get to. Ace, were you invited to that? <laughs> no, but, but you cooked for me, so no. you're a great we cook. We were just too, practicing Jerry. before we invite you. Oh, Jerry cooked for yeah. Ace. So anyway... Right. We're recovery, uh, we're having a good time, but it's I forgot that we're on the air. It's March, Jerry. Yeah, we're on the air. You know, it's March Madness time. March Madness is the height of breeding season of the hair, uh, which is how the expression "mad as a March hare" came into being. An expression I have never heard in my entire life. Is this really an expression, or are you? Yeah, no, making this stuff up. No, you can't. Have make you heard stuff that? Up. Okay, uh, it describes bunnies' frantic behavior during mating season. Uh, and in Canada, March Madness describes the end of the Canadian fiscal year when all the minister have to madly spend all the money left in their coffers or have their budgets cut by that amount for the following year. That's not just a Canadian thing. I got news for you. They do the same thing in our federal government because I used to work for the federal government. And it's one of the one of the harrowing features of working for the federal government is their their fiscal year ends on September 30th in the U.S., and at the end of September, everyone's running around madly, scheduling travel that's unneeded in order that they, <laughs> God forbid, don't spend all the money in their budget because then their budget will be cut the next year. It's a rather sobering experience, and it makes you realize why our government is so inefficient. Uh, but they do the exact same thing. Um, here, March Madness is also about basketball playoffs and the claustrophobia of March, knowing that spring is just around the corner. Ace uh, is a basketball expert. Many people don't realize Ace actually played Division One NCAA basketball. Can you imagine that? Yes, March when Madness that, is. Oh, that was a while ago, Jerry. But it's it's a crazy, <laughs> crazy time where all the college basketball teams um, play for that championship. So it's amazing. Yeah, and, and if you want to know who's going to win, just ask Ace because he's got a hundred percent track record. He wins a lot of money over your uh, betting these. Uh, if you were born today, uh, you share your birthday uh, with Alexander Graham Bell, who, as we know, invented uh, the telephone. He was born on March 3rd in 1847 in Edinburgh, Scotland, and died in 1922 at the age of 75. Uh, he was a, a Pisces, which I'm told is an old soul of the Zodiac. It's the final sign of the Zodiac and said to experience the energy of every sign before it. So if you're into that stuff, there you go. Anyway, we've got a lot in store for you today. Since tomorrow is the Academy Awards presentation, we thought we'd uh, do some show business real estate stories for you, talk about where the stars live, what they've been buying and selling, and what notorious houses for sale if you have an extra $10 million hanging around, which a lot of people do, I'm sure. Uh, 
Um, I don't know about you, but I find most of the shows about buying houses and renovations misleading. So we're going to talk about the rules that I hear about real estate on TV that simply are not true, and we'll run down the real estate rules that some people sometimes repeat all the time. Um, do you have any uh, favorite uh, rules, Esther, that you hear people talk about in real estate that just simply aren't true? I have a lot of them about real estate that are not true. But are you talking about yeah. renovations right now? And Anything. It's just a, these general rules of real estate that people talk about. Well, one of it is, yeah, you know, to Stephen's point, yeah, is the rumor that uh, uh, you shouldn't buy the uh, biggest or most expensive house mm-hmm. in the neighborhood. Is that uh, not true? Not necessarily. No, because yeah. you could be the one. No, because if you're looking for a house and it meets your needs and the community is yours and you're not looking to uh, to flip it the next year, two or three years or four years, then by all means, do what you want, enjoy it, and uh, eventually real estate just keeps on going up in uh, most neighborhoods. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. we'll go through more of those, more of those misnomers as the show goes on. We'll also talk about whether you should ever take a first offer. This is one of the most common questions that we get from sellers. Uh, we'll leave you wondering for the rest of your life whether you should have held out for more. Uh, I'm actually... Uh, dealing with the sale of a, of a relative's home in upstate New York right now. And indeed, before the first open house, we got a full price offer and the broker called me and said, let's take it. <laughs> and I am going through the same analysis that a lot of my sellers go through, which is that did we underprice it? Should we wait? Should we do an open house? Joe, is this uh, your and, house? Uh, Are you talking about your own house? No, right no, no, I'm never selling my house. No, no, I'm never selling. It's a, it's yeah. a relative's home. That's another room I've heard people saying I'm never selling my house either. That's, you know, like all of a sudden wake up call. They do wake up. But you're right because residential real estate especially is so emotional. And there's a lot of greed involved in real estate. And oftentimes because that first offer comes in, the seller thinks, oh, my God, I could have gotten more. It happened too quickly. While in reality, it was oftentimes the preparation of a great broker that led it to that moment of, aha, I want to buy it or prepare it or create a buzz. So when people did come in or the brokers showed up or the customers showed up, they all went, wow, I want it now. So there is a herd yeah. mentality also with people. They want it. Yeah. When everybody wants what everybody wants that moment. And uh, if it's, it's been true. on the market too long. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I get a lot of sellers who don't take a first offer and uh, and then, you know, three, four weeks later are, are regretting it, saying, gee, I really yeah. wish I could get that offer back. And they call a broker and they say, can you get that offer back? And, of course, mm-hmm. those people have already signed another uh, uh, contract by now. Stephen, you were going to say? Yes, I was wondering, if you get a full price offer, if it, aren't you obligated by law to accept that offer? Not accept. You're obligated. As a broker, you're obligated to tell... All offers. So, but the owner of the house isn't obligated if you say, I, I want no. this much for the house, and somebody comes along and offers it to you, mm-hmm. you can say no? Not necessarily. No. You might feel, well, you know what? I, I got up last night and I realized, you know, I can't go anywhere. I want to stay. I've changed my mind. So, you know, you're, you've got to be careful because sometimes the brokers will come back and say, I bought you an able, willing, ready party. And, I, I, I met all the requirements you wanted to, and now you've changed your mind. So, Jerry, what do you think? It's a great question. What do you think? 
So, you know, I mean, most of the listing agreements say that they'll, they'll advertise, that the broker will advertise the property for a certain price, but it doesn't obligate the uh, buyer to accept a full price offer because almost certainly that full price offer is going to have some other term that could potentially be inconsistent with the seller's position. For example, you know, the buyer wants to close in, you know, three weeks and the seller says, well, I'm not ready for that. So uh, there is a good faith element. You know, the seller has to um, proceed in good faith. They can't simply, after, you know, all this hard work and months of effort, say they've changed their mind and expect that the broker is just going to walk away. And it's also not fair, by the way. It's amazing how many people think that brokers just, you know, work for free and, and they can change their mind after two months and say, you know, here's a fruit basket and thanks for all your work. Uh, I think the way to approach that is to call the broker and say, listen, our plans have changed, but we recognize that you put a significant amount of time and effort into this. Let's talk about a way that, you know, you can be fairly compensated for your work. I think that's the fair way to handle things. I know I I, uh, am a little annoyed when clients call and say, you know, thanks for your time. Well, (laughs) time is not free. This is what we sell. Uh, Mm -hmm. Karen is uh, on the line, and she has an interesting question because we were going to talk about it later. uh, What we were going to talk about is surprising ways that home staging can sabotage your sale. But what Karen uh, is on the line wants to know is, is staging a home worth the price and who pays for it? And that's a good question. Karen, are you there? I sure am. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You're talking to Jerry Jerry Feeney and a whole group of us. So go ahead, Karen. What? Well, the question often comes up is it, you know, when you have an apartment, you know, if you have too much furniture, taking it out, or if it's empty, do you put furniture in? And when this comes up, frankly, you know, it can be kind of pricey because no one knows, for instance, how long is it going to take to sell? So who ultimately pays to have this furniture put in if it's empty or stored if you are taking things away? That's a great question. Yeah, that's a great question, Karen. Uh, so let me try to very quickly answer it. One, it depends on the broker that is discussing it with the seller. There are some brokers that I know who happen to have interior design, as an example, as their background, and they'll include the staging of the house or apartment with the stipulation that if they didn't sell it, within six months or after the six months, which is the expiration of the exclusive agreement, that they would be compensated for it. But if they sell it within the six months, it'll include the commission. And then there are some that just don't include it, and they'll say it depends. The word depends is important. How much needs to be done in staging? If it's just calling the moving truck and sending a few of the furniture pieces out and and decluttering, it's one. the majority of the agents that I, I work with uh, will include that in taking the exclusivity. Unless the project is major, new kitchen, new renovation, in staging it properly, then the owner would be paying. You know, there's something, Karen, staging is just not about moving furniture in and out. When somebody comes to buy your house, it, it, it should be a blank slate. It should be not your house that they're buying with pictures of your grandpa and your tchotchkes and a million things around. You should clear <laughs> everything. I've heard it said that once you list your apartment, you don't live there anymore. 
that's a very good it's true it sounds harsh but i think that's really true it's really really important that you make the place look as neutral as possible not too many flowers don't bake cookies so it smells nice this is supposed to especially not fake flowers not fake Fake flowers. flowers are definitely out i know here are some things don't over design your space the trick is to give the feeling subtly, not smacking buyers in the face with design, design, design once they walk in the door. So, I mean, it's not about your ideas for design and how the place would look. Uh, uh, so that's one thing. The other thing is don't have anything fake. Don't know fake flowers, you know, not fake fruit, you know, not fake food, fake TV screens, uh, you know, n- nothing like don't that. Have a, don't, have, don't have fake news playing on the TV, you know, <laughs> <all of> that. <laughs> okay. And the other thing is, uh, you know, I I once was trying to sell a house, and we walked in. It was a very, very nice, expensive house, but the sheets were just awful. And Mm -hmm. uh, before I tell you the story about the awful sheets, I, when I first tried to rent my house, the very, very first time a broker showed my house to rent my house, I called her up after they left, and I said, what did the, the man say? Why didn't he want it? And she said, he said, cheap sheets. And I said, what? She said, cheap sheets. You have cheap sheets. Now, this was for rental, but it's crazy what people notice, Karen, when they come mm-hmm, into the mm-hmm, house. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the other hello. thing I – hello? Hi. Go ahead, hello. And then one other thing, what? Karen, I wanted to tell you is that an, another house that we were trying to sell, we asked the owner if she could put white sheets on all of the beds in every bedroom so it looked uniform. There weren't flower prints. There weren't all sorts of crazy stuff. So aside from who pays for it and everything, I I do think staging, whatever that means, is important. I think paring down the house. I think making it look neutral so people can envision themselves living in the house, not you living in the house, is a really, really important part of selling now. I'm done. So it is. Bottom line is it's worth it to do it. I'm sorry. Say that again, Karen. Bottom line, it's worth it to do it. Oh, I think it's a must. I mean, today, in today's expectation of your buyers, it's a must. They see mm-hmm. totally new construction, new renovations, mm-hmm. and it's part of the pitching package, by the way, that the brokers come with, oftentimes interior designers and stages, and they have on their team all sorts of ways to improve your, uh, to create a aha moment. So, yes, the answer is thank you. Uh, they def- it definitely is now part of selling okay. your home. Got it. Okay. Best you thank you very much for your apartment. Pastor, do sorry. you stage every apartment that you market? Uh, you know, I have to say, I, I have to say, I'll, I'll use the word yes. But in some cases, it's sometimes just rearranging the furniture, just painting one room, just cleaning up all the windows. So, yes, we use the word staging. It could could be as much as a few hundred dollars to, you know, to thousands of dollars. I I don't mean to be silly here, but we're coming up. Okay, go ahead, Stephen. Uh, we're coming up on a break, 866-970-9622. You know what else you should do? Buy new toilet seats. They're inexpensive, and you should put one on every toilet. It makes the place look very spiffy. We'll be back after this, 866-970-9622.
It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back. This is Jerry Feeney sitting in for Dottie Herman, who is traveling, but she'll be back next week. We're here with our panel of experts, Ace, Esther, and Stephen. And we were talking before the break about staging, and Esther had asked you a question before the break about whether you stage every home. And I'm not sure that we explained to the listeners, though, what staging is. For those of you who don't know, staging is, is when the broker comes in and you know, puts in kind of temporary furniture um, to sort of make the space look a little bit bigger or, or, or better. Uh, and it could be a situation where the, the house was empty. But I've also seen situations where the broker stages it by removing some of the furniture that the seller has because they've just got too much in there to make the space look smaller. Right, Esther? Yeah, yeah. First of all, uh, I just wanted to say if to our listeners that we're having a little bit of Wi-Fi issue because of the terrible wind that occurred yesterday, and we'll, we're all in different places. So uh, if we're talking above each other or beyond each other or don't hear each other, um, excuse the, the mystery of the, uh, of the weather. Um, the answer is yes, and, and staging is a word to stage something to make it look a certain way. It is to make it more appealing and more interesting and more personal for the people that come in, for the buyers. And you have to imagine yourself, if you're going to buy an apartment or a house, when you first walk in, first impression counts a lot. And uh, we in the real yeah, estate yeah. business now know it more than ever. Um, there are yeah. sometimes... I never really, I, I never really understood the importance of a staging. I always kind of felt it was uh, maybe an exaggeration. But I have to tell you, I've uh, I've come around to understand it. I've seen situations where a property didn't sell for a long time, and then a different broker came in and staged it. Same price, and it sold right away. I, I think it's because people can't always see around things. You know, some people can see a space and take out all the, the bad stuff and see the bones of the space. Some people, their minds, they just can't do that, right? Yeah, and and one of the things to take into consideration, and you and I know years ago we didn't think of it as important, but today the experience that everyone, whether it's a baby boomer or millennial, people want to experience. They go to open houses as as a way to experience uh, what's happening in trends and in the environment. So it's become almost a must. I can't imagine anyone right now not staging the the challenges happen if you are in a house that you're living in now and you want to sell it um many of the brokers will tell you we really can't show it until you declutter until you clean up so it is a little more challenging nowadays to sell your house because you've got to make it look great and steven was mentioning sheets i just had the experience of taking an exclusive listing and i didn't want to publish the pictures because the sheets on the bed and the bedspread really looked very unattractive. And the seller called me up after a month and said, I don't see any of the pictures of the bedrooms and, you know, what's going on. And I said, you know, I've talked to you about really changing and staging the beds and you didn't. She was so insulted. She says, well, I don't think you should have my exclusive. And we got into a discussion about it. Yes, because she felt insulted that I thought she should send uh, the sheets away and put new bedspreads on. This was a, a property yeah. actually in Israel. Or, yeah, or wash them, or wash them. Yeah. yeah. I uh, when I bought this house up in the country, 
I asked the owner, uh, you know, we became somewhat friendly afterwards, and I asked the owner, why did you not uh, photograph the upstairs bedroom? Why was that area not photographed? They started laughing at this because it was the gun room. Apparently, the husband, who was a former Air Force guy, was a gun collector, and he had about 200 guns and rifles all displayed all around the the, uh, walls, and they didn't think that would be too attractive. I imagine that they probably were right. It might have scared some people from coming in. Especially in today's environment, uh, as a broker, yeah. I'm not sure I would take a listing with a room like that. Well, uh, you certainly can't be bringing people into an open house with guns uh, like that. I remember going to that, uh, I don't know if you were there, that $30 million one-bedroom uh, open house a couple of years ago where the uh, it was a spectacular par- apartment. It was a one-bedroom. Uh, it was quite a one-bedroom. And the, the owner had left all their watches, all their very expensive watches uh, around. And, and, and I was just in shock that, I mean, I'm sure they had cameras inside, but it might be too late if somebody picks it up and, and walks out. So it's amazing what people uh, leave around on, on open houses. By the yeah. way, if you want to reach us, the number, as always, is 866-970-9622. Call with any of your real estate questions. Ace, I noticed that Jay-Z and Beyonce took out a mortgage. Uh, I know, I read that too. Home. I was wondering if you did that mortgage. It was. <laughs> let me just see if I got this right. $52.8 million. Did you write that one for them? If Even if I did, I have to keep it disclosed. So. <laughs> the the payments on this whopper. I hope everybody's sitting down. I, I can you imagine two hundred fifty two thousand dollars a month a month, and that's with a four percent interest rate, which is pretty good interest rate on a loan like that. Yeah. I would think. Um, the uh, I wouldn't want to get that mortgage bill every month two hundred fifty two thousand dollars. But even the super mega wealthy finance and people wonder sometimes. Well, why do they? I mean, the, the you know Jay Z and Beyonce are. A wealthy, you know, beyond imagination, you know, billions of dollars many times over. But, you know, sometimes there's liquidity issues. Sometimes it's tax reasons, right? Sometimes there could be beneficial estate planning reasons why you would do a mortgage on a property. It's not always that you don't have the money. It's that there might be better uses of the money, right? Oh, Jerry, throughout the years, we've done so many celebrity um, mortgages. It's, um, yeah, it's, you know, they, they're humans just like us, and they, they do take out mm-hmm. mortgages, so... Well, it's also a yeah. smart way to leverage and to buy a yes. whole bunch of properties. Yeah. There's great celebrities. So if they put all their you know, eggs in one basket or a majority of it, they spread the goodies all around. They, that's how they end up having to have you know, five homes and six homes. Um, so yeah. other people's money, they say, exactly. is a good thing to, uh, to work with. And at rates at 4%, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, oh my God. it's almost free money, right? So. Yeah, what do you think, yeah. Case? I mean, you know, everybody's asking me that question. Where do you think it's going? So, you know, I know well, I don't have a crystal ball. It's been a wild ride, right? With, it's, been a, it's been a wild ride, and, you know, they have communicated that they, they will raise rates um, at least three times this year, but... You know, they, they've been saying that for quite some time now, but, but we have seen it creep up just a little bit. So I think uh, we're probably going, right now rates are at 4.5. We may see 5% by the end of the year, but, you know, not that much of, a, of, of an increase, but definitely um, the direction is going up. So, But, you know, I, I know my, Dottie always... I'll keep my three and a half. Yeah. yeah. Keep Dottie thing. always talks about the era when uh, interest rates were 16, 17, 18 exactly. percent. and. And I come from that era, so when I hear 5%, <laughs> I, I think of, what's 5%? Yeah, it's not that bad, what's, Esther, you know? You know, what's 5, what's 6? So I urge you everybody. Know, 
for our listeners, the, 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 when you hear people talk about the, you know, the Fed is raising interest rates, you know, I do think it's important that we educate our listeners Definitely. because we're talking about short-term, short-term interest, interest rates, rates there, yeah. which are, are, you know, have some impact on long-term, but really is not the same thing. What's going to have much more of an effect on the mortgage market is going to be the, the, the bond market. The bond market. And yeah. bond market are affected very much by uncertainty in the world. So when, um, you know, the leader of North Korea threatens to, uh, you know, fire a nuke across South Korea, the bond markets get jittery, and that actually can affect mortgage rates, right? It's amazing how the whole world is interconnected like that. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you've seen this uh, advertisement, but uh, there's something called the Ring Doorbell. Are you guys familiar with that, Stephen? Have you heard about the Ring Doorbell? Yeah, they say it's going to replace every single doorbell from now on in. That it's just, you know, well, the old yeah, doorbells sorry, are like crank-up cars. Sorry, Jerry, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Stephen. Finish. No, I finished. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, well, Amazon in any way announced that, that, that they're going to buy this uh, doorbell camera maker for a billion dollars, uh, which is, you know, nothing to Amazon. But uh, the device, which I've heard it advertised, I must say I've been kind of tuning it out when I hear the ad. It didn't really click to me, but it's a, a rather amazing device, a wireless doorbell camera and motion detector that attaches to your door. And when the doorbell rings, no matter where you are, uh, your cell phone rings, and it records the face of the person who's at the front door, and you can speak to them, um, which, you know, perhaps I should get because, you know, uh, the uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses who are about, uh, their headquarters about two miles from my home, <laughs> like to ring my doorbell every Saturday morning at about 9.30. And just in case I'm not here, this way I could talk to them from anywhere in the world. So I, why on earth would anybody want this device? What's I don't get what the upside is. If you're not home, why would you... Is it for security or something, or why? Oh. I don't get the upside here. Yeah, no, no. I think it it's it makes total sense um, for security for sure. Uh, we have a device in our East Hampton home which uh, lets us know if the heat is going up or going down because if it goes down too far, the pipes will burst. And as an example, sure. just a few weeks ago, an entire house next door to us. Um, they didn't have that device, and the pipes burst, and the whole house flooded, and uh, it became very controversial. And I know that we were in Los Angeles, and we were able to monitor the heat and then call the people who, you know, are managing this device to come to the house and check our pipes. So from a safety point of view, from a new way to communicate in the world and to manage your properties, I think it's a great idea. I think, I think that Amazon paid a billion so, dollars for it because it's yeah, going to be the standard I gotta, way. Guys, I think it's just going to be the new standard. And the music in the background, which means we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back right after. And reach us at 866-970-9622 with all of your real estate questions. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Welcome back to I on Real Estate. This is Jerry Feeney sitting in for Dottie Herman, who's traveling, but don't worry, she'll be back next week. If you're on the, uh, if you're on the phone, uh, we'll get to your call in just a moment, and you can always reach us at 866-970-9622. 
But I want to get back to something we were talking about last week. I got a lot of emails and phone calls about Esther. You'll be happy to know. Esther was, uh, we were talking about the city's plan to build a, a homeless shelter at, what was it, 58th Street, Esther? Or 59th 58th Street, Street right between 6th and 7th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At a astronomical cost that will house approximately uh, 100 uh, men who are trying to get back on their feet. Is that 150 single men? Mm-hmm. 150. 150 single men. And how much is it going to cost the city uh, to do this? $66 million to lease the space for yeah. seven years. Yeah, $60 million. Seven years, and it'll serve 150 men. And Esther asked my opinion about that, and I said in categorically, this is my opinion, by the way. This is not the opinion of the, the, the radio station or any of the sponsors. my personal opinion. I think it's the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, and I suggested that for that amount of money, they could serve thousands of people at a less pricey neighborhood. For example, in Queens or parts of, uh, you know, upper Manhattan or uh, frankly, parts uh, of um, eastern Manhattan over in, in the 30s, okay, way way over towards the uh, uh, the East River. The point of the matter is, why on earth would you pick a neighborhood that, frankly, I can't afford to live in either? It's too expensive. You know, only people like Esther can live there and, uh, and, and pay all that money. So we had suggested, or I had suggested, Esther, that perhaps the mayor ought to also house some, pe- some homeless families in Gracie Mansion, right? And uh, we got a lot of support for this, and I, I decided to take a look, uh, and I've got the floor plans for Gracie Mansion. Uh, Esther and I, I estimate that we should be able to put uh, 20 families in Gracie Mansion. They've got a big ballroom. We could divide that up. And uh, what, do you, what do we think about that? Um, I think it's something we should talk to the city about. Uh, the the challenge is who's going to manage it, and right now, in reality, the people that are managing some of the homeless um, mm-hmm. shelters have so many violations in terms of the heat and water and, and vernums and all sorts of issues. And so I think, and this is not a political issue, but I think the mayor needs to stop being political to show off yeah. that he's put 90 shelters in integrated areas and really think about the homeless and their own needs and what they need. And what they need is yeah. great services. So I like the fact that you brought up the issue because it's becoming very, very um, even more heated. Um, the committee just hired public relations firm and attorneys from all over the place in order to let the, the, the bureaucrats of the city of New York realize that what they're doing is, you know, is really corrupt it's really corrupt. It's taking well, our taxes. Yeah. I think that's the right word. Uh, and look, I, I'm not going to mince words here. There's no question that the people in that neighborhood don't want it. I understand why. I have for years been an advocate of, uh, you know, homeless services as has Esther. And uh, I've been talking to people for years about when they put shelters in their neighborhood, how it can actually help the neighborhood in some ways. My point here is simply that. It's a ridiculously expensive proposition to serve very few people, and therefore, what is the motivation behind doing it? And it seems to me that the mayor is doing this for political reasons, to try to score points uh, for, you know, whatever his his next uh, political career is going to be after mayor. Um, And it it doesn't make any sense. It is not serving 
the maximum number of people. If our goal here is to serve the homeless community and try to give them a chance to get back on their feet, which we all applaud and support, then why not use that ridiculous amount of tax dollars uh, and uh, support more families? I mean, 150 men uh, for that amount of money is just absurd. So I suggest a Gracie Mansion. I still think it's a good idea. I think the American... Uh, give up a lot of the space in Gracie Mansion and put them there if he thinks this is a good idea. Um, and uh, if he doesn't, then I would question what are his motivations for putting this shelter uh, in uh, 58th Street. It's just ridiculous, just ridiculous. Great. Um, and, you know, we have Tom on the line from Brooklyn, and maybe he has another option because he wants to know what can they do with the empty armory facility in the Bronx? So, Tom, are you on the line? Yes, yes. I, I, in the, I'm from the Bronx here. I'd like to say that there's an empty armory, the Kingsbridge Armory in the Bronx. They were going to make a sports mm-hmm. complex out of it at one time. That seems to, ideas seem to have gone into outer space. So they have this property. I don't know what they wanted to do with it, actually, or what they have in mind. But at, a minute, at this minute, it's empty. And what they should do is remind the mayor of this facility. He's looking in all the wrong places to put a homeless shelter. Yeah. And, you know, there's this, there's this syndrome that, that people talk about called NIMBY, not in my backyard. And we're not talking about that here. Uh, you know, I, I very much come out differently on the issue. I think that homeless shelters, if, if positioned correctly, um, designed to maximize the number of individuals that they serve, are a good investment for the city because, let's face it, it's not pleasant to see people sleeping on the train or sleeping on the streets, and it's also not civilized, and it's not fair to people uh, to do that. I think Tom's got a great idea. You've got an empty armory uh, sitting up there in the Bronx, which could be... I think, easily retrofitted to accommodate, you know, maybe some temporary housing. Why is that sitting empty? Why is the mayor not talking about that? Why is he not taking a fraction of the $150 million and retrofitting that? Well, maybe it doesn't get, could it be political, Esther? Could he be getting not as many political banks for his buck if he did that? Yeah. I don't know. What could be the reason? I, I think that if you really take a look at all the favoritisms, and all of the decisions that are made. And if you really explore it, it always says, you know, track it back to the money. Where is the money? Who's giving the money to who? As a matter of fact, I even know of brokers that have been kept out of some deals of properties that they've shown legitimate properties to the homeless. And then all of a sudden found out that around the bad way, some people were in Included in some of the deals. So I'm going to use the word again because I really believe it, and that is corruption. A lot of things are happening within our political system, favoritism that's given landlords that have paid for, you know, people to run for office. And so I love the idea uh, of the uh, Bronx Armory, and I have some brokers that work with the city for the shelters, and I'm going to bring that up to them to explore that as a possibility. Thanks. I think, it's a, I think it's a great idea, Tom. Thanks for sharing. And Tom reached us, by the way, at 866-970-9622. Uh, so we're going you know, to stay on this issue. We'd love to know how you feel. Um, I happen to think that uh, we had a politician on a couple of years ago, and uh, he was a Republican. The only reason I say that is because, uh, you know, I, I like to remind people that uh, we try to be non-political on this show. And 
I, he had a great idea, and I applauded it, even though I usually don't agree with that side of the aisle, which was that, you know, when developers in, in New York City develop property, they oftentimes get huge tax incentives to offer some of the units of housing to, you know, affordable or, or middle-income housing. Um, his idea was, look, rather than have the developer offer 10 units of affordable housing when they build something at, you know, 505 Park or one of the premier uh, most expensive residential addresses in the world, why not say to the developer, use the same dollars that it would cost to offer 10 of those and offer 500 somewhere less expensive? And I love that idea. What do you think about that idea, Esther? And, and Stephen and the rest of the members of the panel. Um, well, it, l- let me let me answer your question this way. I just went to a party the other night, and I spoke to someone who just developed affordable housing. And he said the biggest challenge for him is he's got all these affordable housing to sell. This is for selling purposes. However, the bureaucracy involved in the determination of who will, who's eligible for affordability and who's not. And you have to make a certain amount of money, you know, up to $54,000. I'm just throwing out some major general numbers. They're not exact. And less than $87,000. And he said the perimeters involved and all of what's needed to consider you eligible for a lottery or for affordable housing is so bureaucratic with so many different forms involved. And it's not a Democratic or Republican issue. Right now it's an issue of who's going to determine what client can go into affordable or not affordable. So whether it's, you know, building 500 apartments somewhere else or building 100 apartments or the developer encouraging him, the perimeters involved in affordability they need a lot of work. They need a lot of being able to sit down and determine who's going to be able to do it. Is it going to be the young generation that doesn't have the down payment and and doesn't meet the requirements? So it's, he said it is so time-consuming and so challenging that most of the time people walk away from some of these projects and they go, you know what, it's tons and tons of paperwork involved and so much investigation because years ago there was also corruption involved in giving affordable housing. Someone who could afford it ended up with a rent control apartment. Yeah. So they're trying right. to avoid that nowadays. And because of that, the rules yeah. are enormous. I we think, need some you know, legal. A lot of these issues, we, you know, we zoned out of existence, SROs in New York City, single room occupancy. I think managed correctly, regulated correctly. Those could be good options. Uh, you know, it's not always black and white, the issue of homelessness, right? A lot of people, we talk about the working homeless who might have a job, but, uh, you know, working at McDonald's 20 hours a week is not going to get you an apartment in New York City. So maybe we need to, to work on figuring out some other options for people to get a roof over their head so they're not forced to live on the street or go into uh, uh, the, uh, the city system, which I think a lot of these people don't want to. You know, I, again, we're not... We're not saying don't provide services. To the contrary, we want to service as many people as possible and not have the city just waste money on projects that are clearly politically uh, motivated. And I'm not sure what the upside to that is 
I really don't. I never got it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I see um, Karen on the line. Maybe, uh, uh, oh, okay, so uh, talk about affordable housing. Are you on the line, Karen? Yes, I'm calling back. I know I talked earlier to you all about staging, but this whole idea of affordable housing has been an issue I've thought about for a long time as well. And, again, the idea of telling a developer who's building something on, you know, billionaires row, they've got to put affordable housing in there. I agree with you, too, Jerry. They walk out the door and a cup of coffee is $5. This makes no sense. But they can't afford to live in the neighborhood that they are now and have the affordable housing. My suggestion would be all these developers like givebacks, concessions so they can build taller this or that. Why not say to these people, these developers, take their crew, their supplies, their time and talent, and go to these NYCHA development, these NYCHA housings that are a wreck, an embarrassment, and dangerous to live in, and have them fix up existing housing that's a wreck. NYCHA has no no ability to do this. We know already they're corrupt and they have a problem. So we already have people living in in places that don't even have heat and hot water. Forget about whether somebody's a good housekeeper. If you don't have heat and hot water, that's out of your control, and it does de- deteriorate your quality of life. That's By the way, NYCHA yeah. means, for those listeners, is the New York um, City Housing uh, Authority that oversees many of the uh, so-called affordable or non-affordable housing. Yes, yeah, they oversee public housing. And you're absolutely right. I, I have a, a, an employee who lives in uh, public housing, and uh, his family's lived in public housing for years, and he's telling me that they've been without hot water now for about two months. I said, you must be kidding. He says, yeah, the whole building doesn't have hot water for two months. It's the city. They're quick to find a private landlord. They don't provide hot water, but when it's them running the building, they can take their time about getting it on. I love that idea, Karen. Have the developers, and I'll bet you they would be more than willing and happy to do that. Um, and we're not talking about we don't want to pay taxes, we don't want to help. What we're talking about is let's figure out a way to get the most bang for the buck. And those kinds of ideas are are really uh, things that we ought to be looking at. Um, we're, we're coming up on the break, and after the, after the news at the top of the hour, we're going to be talking about uh, the, the new plan of the city to allow uh, properties in Midtown to sell um, their um, unused airspace and what's happening is a lot of the churches there are making a huge amount of money by selling their airspace to some of the commercial properties so they can build even higher. Be interested to hear what our listeners have to say about that, as well as our panel. Um, Esther, let me ask you something. Somebody asked me the question the other day. Uh, if they want to start in real estate, do they have to join a firm first, or can they go and get their license first? Can you just review that for our listeners? Because we get this question a lot from people. After the music, I'm told there's music here. Is that okay? Oh, yes, there is music. There we go. So we'll be back right after the break, and we'll get to ask your question on that as well as the rest of your questions. This is Ion Real Estate. We'll be right back. Ion Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.